Hey there, Soul Fam. You're about to go on one of the loveliest voyages of all. And for those of you new to the show, welcome to Ceremony Circle Podcast. I am your host, shaman and author, Allison Charles. And today, wow, just wow. This is one of my all-time favorite conversations ever. We are joined in the circle by master flower alchemist and the founder of Lotus Way, Katie Hess. Katie began communing with the natural world and becoming friends with flowers when she was just a young girl growing up in some lonely parts of Michigan. And this powerful relationship would end up taking her around the world where her calling began to activate more when she met one of her flower essence teachers in Spain. In today's episode, Katie shares in the most epic way how working with flower essences works why people's lives change, why they begin to look so much younger, why all of a sudden they're living their greatest dreams simply by ingesting an elixir. We also talk about what the flower was that kept Katie on course and very quickly changed the entire trajectory of her life and allowed her company, Lotus Way, to be an absolutely thriving conscious business for over a decade now. We talk about how Katie hears the call of certain flowers, how she communicates with them, then voyages all around the globe to bottle up their magical teachings for us to experience. Which flowers and Lotus Way blends you can work with for greater self-love, for entrepreneurship, for bold expression in life, for fearlessness, and much more. And of course, as this is Ceremony Circle Podcast, we have to talk about incredible rituals and ceremonial practices. She shares offerings that you can easily start doing that ward off negative energies or spirits that keep your home filled with positivity while also serving and rejuvenating benevolent beings in the unseen realms. She shares her opinion. What she says is the reason flowers exist on planet Earth, the flower that has been the greatest teacher for her lately and why. And of course, we get into some business tips too. She has scaled and created a big business while staying in her authenticity and integrity. So she shares three ways she's managed to do this. And the ceremony at the end, ah, it is truly beyond words. So I'll just let you experience it for yourself, but it is definitely one that I recommend you return to on a regular, if not daily basis, because it is just that good. Prepare to have your heart blasted open with the mantra at the end. That's all I'm going to say. And you can, of course, come just as you are to this Ceremony Circle podcast voyage. But if you'd like to have some flower friends with you as you listen, amazing. And if you have any of her incredible Lotus Way elixirs, anointing oils, tonics, etc., I recommend using some of those before you fully enter. All right, Soul Fam, without further ado, let's step into this epic healing and soothing flower power land with goddess and alchemist Katie Hess of Lotus Way. Oh, goodness, Katie, it's so good to have you on Ceremony Circle. I've been waiting for this day for a while. Oh my God, it's such a pleasure to be here. You're such a queen, such a goddess, and I truly mean that. It's not; Those are not uh, titles I say lightly. And I was retracing our, our journey, and I was taken back to an event that you 
had put on with your company, Lotus Way, back in New York City. I feel like that had to have been at least three years ago. I don't even know if you remember the event that I'm talking about, but I was there with my dear sister, Juliet Silva Yee. And it was such a beautiful time, you know. I, I think it was a women's only gathering, and it was just so lovely to be and the energy of what you were presenting that night. And then I saw another very dear sister of mine, Ksenia Avdalova. Well, now Ksenia Brief, she just got married. And um, you two partnered up and you had done this epic mandala photo shoot with her. And um, yeah, so it's just been, it's such a, a many year voyage to land where we are now. And I'm just really grateful to get to hear your story from you and get to see you personally here today. Oh my God. Yeah. It's such an honor and it's such a pleasure to be here. I've seen your work over the last, yeah, three some years or so. And I've always admired you for your sort of fearless expression in the world. Thank you. I received that. I, what I'm working on right now in life is moments like that when someone is sending something my way, like really not just letting it land, but like learning how to hold it. So I'm going to hold for a couple seconds you saying that. And um, Yes, it's been quite a ride and I'm glad that you've picked up on the fearlessness. I'm glad it presents in that way. Sometimes it is fearless. Other times I have to walk through 20 layers of fear and still do it. But that, but that is something I am very steadfast in and devoted to is just, I know my truth and I know my mission and I just got to keep holding that line. So thank you for saying that. And I, you know, the thing that I've admired just really instantaneously with you is the second I, I think it was the second I saw a picture of you or went on your website, it just, the full on blast transmission I got was this woman is in her calling, period. It's just so clear that you are doing what you incarnated this lifetime to do. And I love to witness you in that. So I would love for you to start by explaining, you know, from the outside, it appears to me, you are such an honoring plant and flower and nature ally and master alchemist, but how do you describe what you do? Mm. That's a great question. I feel like it's always changing and evolving, right? Um, but I would say, I guess the root of everything is to be sort of like a translator between the plant world and the human world and to help remind people that we all speak the language of flowers and plants and that it's happening all the time around us if we pay attention and that there's just this whole other world of magic that we haven't really been brought up as children to remember necessarily and that it's also just always right there that we can tap into that so easily, that sort of wonder of being a child and seeing the natural world around us. And that that kind of magic, miraculous, vast, powerful sense of connection between ourselves and mother nature is always alive and at our fingertips. Mm. So to whatever capacity I can help us all remember, including myself of that power 
that's the core of what, what's underneath everything. Uh, I, that resonates so deeply and richly with me. It was taking me back to, oh yeah, I feel like actually waves of emotion. Um, it's taking me back to right after, oh my gosh, it's like, so yes, I'm getting so emotional reflecting on this, the power of nature, you know, after I had my spiritual awakening, you know, (laughs) anyone who's had one of those knows it's, um, your whole world gets turned upside down. And and yes, it was the most miraculous moment of my life. But when it first happened, it's just so discombobulating and so many things that you thought to be true about yourself in life get eradicated. And um, I just went to nature and I just remember my soul just t- telling me every day, it was when I was living in Brooklyn. So, you know, in the concrete jungle. And, um, but yet, my soul just kept telling me every day, like no matter how terrified I felt, no matter how anguishing the emotions felt, because what brought my awakening on was like massive heartbreak and betrayal. But yet I knew I had to get outside every day and I would walk, you know, many blocks down to Prospect Park and Brooklyn because that was the closest like piece of nature I could get to. And I would just walk and I would just sit and I would just look to nature and listen to nature. And it was really my saving grace. And even to this day, you know, we were reflecting before I hit the record button on all these really potent transitional and transformational energies right now. And I'm also in a temporary place while we're renovating. And there's just a lot of energies that lately have been pulling me out of my normal groundedness. And if I ever feel off or out of my center, I know all I need to do is just take the dog for a walk or just get outside even for five minutes and I'm able to find my way back home. So nature is always our saving grace, right? Yeah, that reminds me when you were talking, um, I was thinking of when I first like really started committing to a spiritual path and doing purification practices. I remember my teacher telling me once, there will be times when you feel like you're so like nothing. You're you're so small and insignificant that you're just like a piece of dirt on the ground. Like you feel like you're that low. You're just a piece of dirt. And he said, and then in that moment, that's the moment when you become the earth. You become the earth. Hmm. And I think, you know, so many of us, we we forget that like the way to actually attain awakening is by going through all the the roughness of life and the chaos and the crap we got inside, you know? <laughs> and like you're saying that the heartache and betrayal led you to your path. That's such a powerful transformational time. Like if, you know, any, any sort of like deep suffering moment is such a great catalyst for opening up and doing the awakening practices, but it's certainly not easy, is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it re- it has required so much more of me than I ever knew possible to find within myself, you know, on an ongoing regular basis, even this many years deep on the path and deep in my devotion. It, you know, I, cause, because I'm committed to constantly evolving. And, uh, so yeah, the requirement of expanding into our fullest, highest, most grounded potential. It's, it's never ending and so beautiful. And 
Yeah. So with you, how did you start to get clear on your alignment with your calling? Was there a one moment? Was it gradual when you were a kid? Do you remember talking to flowers and plants? Like where did it all start for you? Yeah. I mean, nature was always my refuge. I was an only child. We left Minneapolis when I was seven and then spent the rest of the time in very small towns. So like, I remember being seven, this tiny little town, you know, I was living in a house next to two other houses with elderly folks on this giant US two freeway in the upper peninsula of Michigan. And I was just like, what am I doing here? Like I am stuck out here on Lake Michigan. I'm stuck here. Like what I need to do what I'm here to do. I need to find my tribe. I need to find my people. I need to, to do the thing I'm here to do, which I don't know what that is, right? It's <laughs> seven. And I remember watching a movie about reincarnation and I was like, oh yes, yeah, that's totally it. And then learning astral projection and really trying to get me to where I needed to be to do what I needed to do. But unfortunately that didn't work. <laughs> Wow. That's so cool. You were exploring that at such a young age though. And that you just knew, I mean, you're just like, Oh, I, I know this word. I remember this astral projection thing. I'm just going to get right on into these. <laughs> yeah. Every night before bed, I would like try to project myself somewhere where I needed to be. So anyway, that didn't really, that didn't really work out, but nature was always my refuge. So if I, you know, was playing in the sand or climbing trees or appreciating flowers. That was, I think, one of the ways that I worked with whatever loneliness I had growing up. And then I went to school and did the school thing and just like got the academics out of the way. And then after college, you know, you have that like, oh, right. Okay. Now I can finally do what I've been longing to do for so long. And what is it? So I just really just was like, I've, I've got to leave the country and look for what is that thing that I can help accelerate people's potential? Because that I could identify. I could see that many of us, all of us, in fact, none of us would say that like, yeah, I did it. I reached my full potential. I'm there. Like I'm as bold, as fearless, as loving, as generous as they come. And like, I'll never be better than this. Like who says that, right? Like, mm-hmm. There's always more. So like, how could I like facilitate that, accelerate that, make that easier for people. And then I just stumbled onto uh, an expert in flower essences from Madrid, Spain. I lived in Europe for a couple of years and Mexico for a couple of years, traveled in Asia. And when I met the, my flower essence teacher, I was like, whoa, this is so cool. Like every flower on the planet does something different for us emotionally, mentally. It helps us evolve spiritually. Like this is so cool. And he said, if, yeah, if we could get 3% of the world's population actively working with these remedies, it would create enough of a ripple effect that it would change the outcome of our planet in a really positive way. And although he wasn't specific about what exactly that meant, I thought, okay, I can do this. I apprenticed with him for a while in Mexico. And then I came back to the U.S. like, yes, let's do this. I will devote the rest of my life to making this concept more mainstream And then I came back to the U.S. in 2001 and it was like, crash, you know, like at that time, meditation wasn't cool. Yoga wasn't cool. People did not want to hear about the energy of flowers and how it could make their lives happier. (laughs) You were ahead of the curve here. (laughs) Yeah, painfully ahead of the curve. 
but I worked with people one-on-one for 10 years. And what were you doing and what way with the flowers and Yeah. So for the first seven years, I just worked with all of my teacher's essences and I would see people every three weeks and I would say, what's working? What's not working? Where do you want to go in life? How can I get you there faster? And then I would, you know, put together a little custom flower essence blend for them. But what happened is I would see people come back into my office and I was just like floored, like their faces would change the way they were speaking, their body language, their stories. And I would see people just let go of baggage. So easily and swiftly that I was like, this is nuts. I have to, like, I have a duty to reach more people, even if they don't know that that's what they need. Mm. So that led to, you know, starting a product line so I could reach more people than just my time. So beautiful. And so for those who have never worked with the chi, the life force, the energetics, the essence, the love and teachings and communications that flowers have to offer us. How do you explain to someone, you know, because within your line, within Lotus Way, which side note, I want to know where that name came from, but within all that you have to offer, because at my altar, I have anointing oils. I have bath salts in the bathroom. I have the aura mist. I have the elixirs that you put under your tongue and you've got other things in in your line as well. So how do you explain to someone that's never tried these, what it is that they do? How do they work? Yeah. So I think it helps to think about it historically. Like they've been around for thousands of years, all over many countries and continents, Uh, medicine, men and women, shaman, Aborigines, Yogis in Himalaya, in the Himalayas, alchemists in Europe um, have used the energy of flowers to help catalyze spiritual awakening and emotional healing in different ways. So you see the Aborigines in Australia sucking the dewdrops off the bush lollies. You see the yogis and yoginis in the Himalayas consuming a substance called chulen, which is like the concentration of gems and flowers. So they could do long fasting retreats in caves. You see medicine women in Central America picking fresh flowers, soaking them in water, and then dumping them over your head. And you even see in Europe doctors prescribing their patients every morning to go out and drink the dew from specific flowers for depression or you know whatever they're going through. So it wasn't until the 1930s, 40s that Dr. Edward Bach in, in the UK devised a way to scale, to scale that dew because we're not, you know, it's just not practical in today's modern age. He was an allopathic doctor who got frustrated with allopathic medicine. And then he turned to homeopathy. And then he got frustrated with the limitations of homeopathy. And then he just turned to his backyard and created this whole line of remedies and a way to scale the dew. So I think of it in terms of like flower Wi-Fi. And I know that sounds kind of out there for some people, but I think actually technology helps us understand that better. So it's like, if you actually think about how does a cell phone work, you know, it's mind blowing. Like if somebody had told you as a kid, okay, Allison, when you get older, you're going to have this little box in your pocket and it's going to emit these invisible waves that you can't see that will carry information, poetry, music, videos, podcasts, across these little invisible waves, like a magic carpet, you know, miles off into the distance and you could, you know, reach someone in Japan in 30 seconds. Like, you know, when we were kids, that would have seemed totally Star Trek, but we know it works and we use the technology every day. 
So if the earth is 4.8 billion years old, then is it so far out to think that the earth has always had this technology? And just because we can't see it, like we can't see it with the phone, but we know what's happening. Isn't it also happening in nature? And then, you know, you can look at the studies. Like there are some simple studies that I talk about, uh, like one in the UK where they've showed that bees are actually not drawn to flowers based on color or scent. They can feel the little vibrations emitted from the flowers. And there's this uh, like deep dynamic communication occurring between the bees and the flowers. There are studies in Tokyo showing um, that when you engage in the practice of forest bathing, there is such an exponential healing power to mother nature that if you spend one day in nature, those balancing effects in your energy system last for a week. Mm. Spend two days in nature, it lasts for a month. You know, and it's more than just oxygen, fresh air. It's like the same life force that acupuncturists are tapping into with the needles from plants and flowers. It's just such a pure source. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're a gardener or if you spend tons of time in the in the woods or in the wild, you may not need to take flower elixirs. But with our crazy modern lifestyles where we're spending most times indoors, there's a lot of EMFs, you know, just a lot of crazy. It's really, really helpful to have something like flower essences to vibrationally bring us back into our balance, get rid of static. And not only that, I feel like I've been talking a lot here. No, I love it. So that's kind of like the simple explanation. It's it's the chi. It's the life force of flowers. It's captured in water. Water has the exact same capacity as like the shiny stuff on a CD or DVD. It's something like 440 clusters uh, or panels of information in one water cluster. So it records information. Then you add alcohol. It's like a preservative herbalist have used for years. If you drink it or you put it on your skin, it immediately is like an acupuncture treatment without the needles. It's regulating all of the different energies in your chakras, nadis, meridian systems. It knows exactly where to go. So that's sort of like the electrical description. My flower essence teacher would say what it's actually doing is it's working in the crystalline structure inside of your blood and your fluids and your cellular makeup to quiet down the information in your cells and your DNA that's not you so that the real you can emerge. Mm. So whether that's the collective consciousness, you know, like stuff in the news and heightened emotions of other people, whether that's six to eight generations back in our family lineage of family patterning, ancestral patterning, past life patterning, you know, whatever the influences are on the selves of our subtle bodies and physical bodies, we can tap into this flower and botanical world to help us emerge as we are meant to be versus other types of influences. Mm-hmm. So many things came to mind as you were sharing that and that is such a beautiful explanation. So thank you. And one of the things that came in is you had mentioned, you know, some of the clients and studies that I know that you all have run and I've seen the pictures too. You mentioned how their faces had changed and like 
Um, also like anti-aging people look 10, 15, 20 years younger, all of a sudden in like the five-year study that I think it was a couple, or maybe that was the longer study where, you know, I don't know what else they were doing in their lifestyle, but they seem to have really slimmed down and they went, they started playing instruments. It's just like, you know, I, I would love for you to share one or two examples. Like, I guess, number one, um, anti-aging seems to be such a huge thing. And I'm 43 and I'm always intrigued by things like that at this point in time as well. Like, how is it that by, you know, using one of your elixirs, it could possibly make you look younger? How does that happen? There's so many probably ways that you can look at it. But if you, if we just think in terms of like simple everyday life, if I experience contraction, like something's going on, something's bugging me, something emotional, some kind of stress, maybe I didn't eat at the right time, maybe I'm hungry, whatever it is, there's a little contraction. And then over time, you start to see that on your face. There's a contraction. The next day, there's a contraction. And then over time, it just comes out in the face, right? We emit so much of our inner world on our face without knowing it. And so if you can remove that static or bring in more ease, and I'm not saying that flower essences will remove all of your stress. Not at all. What they do, in fact, is just make this bigger container so that things can move through you more easily. Mm. So when the, the everyday stresses arise, it's like, oh, I got this. This is, this is okay. It's not in your face triggering. So there's less contraction physically. And then over time, I mean, it's like, you're like a flower, you know, like imagine a flower that's like growing by the highway and it's kind of beat up and there's exhaust and wind and <laughs> versus like a pristine glacial flower next to a waterfall in Iceland. It's like bringing that pristine Iceland flower into our sort of messy highway life so we can get a little boost from that. Yeah, that makes sense. And speaking of like going to a glacier in Iceland and picking the flower, I know that that's one way that you do your work is you go to different specific um, sacred sites and farms and things to gather the flowers that you work with. I would love for you to share like a story perhaps of one of those pilgrimages and, and how you, like, what do you do? You, you, you find the flower and you talk to it and you ask it permission to, do you have to pluck it or do, can you extract what you need without plucking it? Like, how do you do what you do? <laughs> you can cut it or you can move it either way. So if it's like bendy enough that you can bend it over into water, you can just bend it over and then leave it be. So it's actually a really great way to extract the medicine from flowers that are endangered because you're not harming the plant. It's something that's maybe on its way out from the planet and you can preserve that medicinal quality. I could share a story. I mean, I have so many, but the one that came to mind as you were talking was you know, we, we think, we tend to think of like, oh, Iceland or Costa Rica or all these exotic places. So one of the most magical experiences I had was in Southern Minnesota in out in the fields. And it was because I was looking for this really rare orchid. And for months before we left, every morning when I would do my meditation practice, I would just kind of throw out a little hook at the end, like, okay, um, I want to tune in with this particular place. If it's meant to be, if you would like me to find you to be of service to humanity, 
I'm just reminding you that I'm coming on these dates and I would love to find you. And I would love to share your medicine with the world. Because, um, you know, they've done studies where if you talk to a plant and you tell it what the purpose is or that you need it, its chemical constituents already start to change within 24 to 48 hours. So literally plants can adjust their makeup for what we need help with. So I thought I would just do an experiment. We'll just see, right? So later when we're on our giant road trip, we go through Minnesota and we're in, it's just like miles of fields and fields and fields and fields. And I had even contacted botanists, you know, like, can you help me find this? And they're like, nope, nope. <laughs> it's on some endangered species list, right? Mm. So nobody wanted to give it up. So we just like kind of, well, let's take a turn here. Why don't we take a turn here? And we're like driving up the road. I was like, oh my God, I think I see one. Like literally in the first 10 minutes of looking. And so I jump out of the car. My photographer follows. And we, we jump out and we're just standing there like, no way. Like we thought it would be a little tougher, like a little more looking and hunting, right? And we had just gotten to that area and the sun was kind of low in the horizon and the sky was like apricot and blue. And there was this teeny tiny little cloud and everything else was, you know, sunset colors. And we're standing there with our mouths open. And this tiny little, teeny tiny little cloud above our heads rumbled. And then we just were like, in that moment, felt like it was a welcome, like we knew you were coming welcome to our place it was an acknowledgement you know and you just do not expect mother nature to communicate with you to such extent like how it's a tiny little cloud and how could everything like rumble you know that feels like the earth is rumbling and then there was this really light blessing rain like plop 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 from that one tiny cloud and then it was gone and then the full moon rose and it was red and there were fireflies everywhere. And it was like, am I making this up? Am I in some alternate realm here? And then we came back the next morning and collected the flower essence. And then we were off. Wow. <laughs> that, is, that story, you know, it's got such medicine in it. Just hearing you share that and what, came up for me and my opinion one of the layers at play there was you know the flowers and mother nature know the reverence and sacredness and the honoring way in which you do the work and so i love that it was yeah it was like a little like family reunion it's like let's bring the cloud in and let's make sure we sprinkle duster with some purifying rain and let's you know what i mean just like all of these components and ingredients to embrace you and like them bowing in honor to you for your commitment and for the way that you do what it is that you do. That's what was coming in for me. And so what was that flower? And is it in one of the products in your line? It's not in a blend yet. We have it as a single flower essence. It's called Western Prairie Fringed Orchid. Fringed orchid is the key word because it looks like 
it's almost like fingers or a neural network. It's such a gorgeous white orchid. And it is for, ironically, it's like the teacher for exactly what I was doing, which is it gives you a greater capacity in environments to sort of tap into the electromagnetic, for lack of a better word, grid or network so that you can more quickly and effectively understand what's needed. So like maybe you're giving a public speech to someone in an area that you're not familiar with. It gives you a faster capacity to sort of touch into their energy and then say what it is that they may need to hear or Mm. be able to connect more deeply. Oh, that's so beautiful. Um, That speaks to me. So like someone like me, you don't have anything that I can purchase to work with that plant right now. Yeah, you just look. Yeah, I just look under fringed orchid and it'll pop up. It's the, you just take it and turn it and put it in water. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, that one really speaks to me because I do love to do what you spoke of in my own way. Like anytime I go to new land, you know, I bring offerings. Like I tune in before I go on the trip and like start to commune with the love and light guardians of that location and ask like what offering would support them and the land. And I'll bring that. Then when I arrive to the land, I'll, you know, just listen to the messages or my intuition, like where to go and how to give the offering and in what way and put my left ear down onto mother earth and start to speak to it and just, yeah, to really commune. Uh, but you know, I do now that the world is opening up a bit more again, I'm getting booked for various talks, you know, all over the place. And I really always deliver a unique talk or event, um, every time. So I love the idea of weaving and working with this particular flower to enhance even more that my ability to really tap into like what is needed for me to deliver to serve the greatest good in this talk or this place. God, I love that so much. Wow. And so in all of your creations, has there been a particular flower that, and I know this is going to be a really hard question for you to answer. It's like picking a kid, a favorite kid or whatever, but has there been one that just stands out to you that was like such a potent teacher that was really challenging for you to work with? Like maybe it presented in a way that you really had to like transcend deeply, um, you know, in some way, which one has been a very potent teacher for you? Yeah, it's like choosing a child. I think the easiest way I can answer that question is just to think of what's happened most recently in my life because there's just, there's so many, right? Oh, more recently, I started working with a flower, a blend of flowers. We call it uh, luscious embodiment. There's a wild delphinium in there that is for helping you embody more of yourself more fierceness, more sexy, more, you know, parts of yourself that you may kind of keep under wraps. But it also has this element of having these set boundaries. So if you're like me, who has a tendency to be too nice, sometimes let people take advantage of me. Um, You know, the boundaries are a little soft. That working with that particular flower or combination of flowers was like Roto-Rooter for six months. Mm. And every day it was like, oh, putting in my face, like every little area where I was letting a little energy leak or sure, you can do that, but it's really not in alignment or 
yeah, you can have that, but I needed that. You know, it was hard because it made me angry. It's like it had to make me angry enough to to like drop the line and draw the barrier. Yeah. So that was fun. Yeah. That's always a good time, you know, but it's like you trust, you know, you trust the process and the, one of the biggest, you know, themes throughout this chat, even right out of the gate is, you know, when you were telling the story about when you were a little girl, you just knew innately to look to nature because you knew that they're your brothers and sisters and you know that you are their sister. And you know, the, the allyship and we are all family and friends. And so, you know, when you're going through that journey of those many months, it's like you trust, you know, that this flower is your friend and your, and your ally and your teacher, and you know, it's doing exactly what your highest self is calling in and and wanting to get into that yeah, that strength of that embodiment. So just, um, continuing with it, you know, and just trusting, trusting in yourself to put in the work that is showing you to put in and trusting that it's, it's guiding you and leading you and that you will arrive to a clearer place with that. (laughs) But what a voyage. Yeah. It's funny. We're in the flower evolution program. We're working with this tiny little wild pansy this month called Johnny Jump Up, right? I mean, the name is just so silly, Johnny Jump Up. I can barely- Johnny Jump Up? Yeah, right? Like you can't even hardly take that seriously. But it is like so fierce, man. It's like, you know, the description is like for being more bold and outrageous and extravagant. And when you first see that, it's like, that sounds great. Oh yeah, I want to be more bold. I want to be more outrageous, free and wild, right? But then I realized after taking it, I was like, oh, like in order to open up the floodgates, you know, like hydrojetting a plumbing pipe, in order to just like let more powerful energy reside in your system, you also have to look at like messy and raw and uncomfortable. And oh my God, I just said that and it didn't come out right and awkward because there's just so much more energy coming through your system. Mm. So it's so funny because we see the the positive, which also does come, but it's like to get there, oh, right. I had to go through all the raw stuff. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Funny. It's a fun process though. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like at some point when I was doing a little research, I also might be mispronouncing this, but that like night blooming serious plant or whatever that represents like fearlessness and didn't that play a really instrumental part in your journey with your business? And how did it? That flower changed my life overnight, every aspect of my life. I had been looking for like, how do I transition from one-on-one to more people? And, you know, I set up at this huge trade show. It was a failure, spent lots of money. It was like, oh my God, nobody wants what I have. How am I going to do this? I just got down on my knees and was like, okay, you got to show me where to go and what to do. Cause I've kind of exhausted what I thought, where I thought people would be interested. So I ended up uh, running into some people who were building a huge resort and spa. And they were like, yeah, we want a signature scent. And I was like, yeah, I could do a signature scent. And that turned into this kind of three month discovery of, or like process of, you know, I could design this beverage or this beverage or this scrub and this lotion and this soap and a million different products. And on the day that they 
officially hired me to do the work. I walked out of that meeting and on the way to the parking lot on their property was this huge cactus with a big bud. And I was like, ding, like tingly, like, oh my God, I've never seen this, but I'm sure it's going to bloom tonight. So I snuck on the property at 1030 at night. And sure enough, it's this just incredibly giant white feather-like cactus flower. And I thought, well, okay, if nobody wants what I have, I could infuse the essence of this flower into all the products for this fawn resort. And if people have no idea, if they just think it's aromatherapy, I don't even care. I don't need recognition. We'll just put it in there. And then it wasn't until the next day that I learned that this particular species of cactus only blooms one night every year. Right? Wow. Yeah. And it was so intense when I was... So I ended up having to like cut it and take it home because the security guard was like, "Mm, what's this trick doing burning incense? And, you know... Getting all witchy and weird out here. Yeah. Hold up in this golf cart. Like, hmm. So I took it home and made the essence. But on the way home, Alice and I had put the flower in a bowl of water in the, in the back seat. And I was terrified. I was like overcome by paranoia and freak out. Right. And I was driving like 20 miles an hour. And then there was a police car. And I was like, oh my God, they're going to pull me over. And what? find out that I have a flower in my backseat, you know? So it was like such a visceral way of the flower showing me this is what needs to move, right? That the imbalanced state is the fear, the paranoia, the self-limitation. And when we can liberate that, you can take a huge leap in your personal growth. So the effect that I had in my life was I got the biggest contract I had ever even, didn't even dream of from this super five-star luxury resort and spa, you know, ended up making hundreds and hundreds of gallons of soap and lotion and stuff and whatever they needed. And then four months after opening, I was making custom perfumes for the newly inaugurated president at the time and his family. I mean, it was just like, how did I get from one-on-one in a secret little cave over there to president of the United States? So surreal. That was that flower. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wow, that's like a mic drop flower. That's like, a, <laughs> oh my goodness! And I I use that one a lot. I have that one at my altar, and uh, it does. It's it. I remember when I was you know looking through all the possibilities on your website. There, yeah, I mean, there were definitely certain ones that really spoke to me. That being one of them, so that's intriguing. I'm just reflecting on like certain things, yeah, that are entering into my life right now, and how that how that flower might be playing a role in all of that. I didn't realize the magnitude of that story and and of how that flower opened up your entire business and brand essentially. I mean, because you, you've had, is it, how did you get the name Lotus Way? I wanted something that was really active, like, you know, Lotus, Asia, symbol of awakening, you know, pristine, beautiful, doesn't let a speck of dirt on it. It's in the muddy, stinky, swampy, that's life, right? But being able to bloom despite all of that. Way is Mandarin and has several meanings. It's like transformative action for the benefit of all. So it's like this transformative awakening, 
blooming wisdom has to for the benefit of all. Yeah. And you've had your company now for almost a decade. So I just, I love, I think it's going to be such um, beautiful medicine for all the soul fam that's listening, because I sense that a lot of those who sit in these ceremony circles with myself and the guest, you know, are on similar trajectories, uh, opening up their spiritual gifts, committing more fully to the spiritual path, and also have a lot of entrepreneurial essences inside of them. And um, so I love, you know, I share very transparently about my journey and just the crunchiness and weirdness at the beginning of my path when I realized who I really am and what I'm supposed to do and just the wonky, you know, beginning stages of like, I had a similar of your trade show thing, same for me, like, and I've told it before, so I, you know, don't want to repeat it for for them if they've already heard it. But like, I, I set up shop at a vegan expo in New York City and like had my headshot on a table and like crystals and my rattles. And it, I was, I was told to do this, like it was a divine instruction. And I'm just like, oh my God, you got to be kidding me. Like, you know, and the the ego kicks, you know, I just come off of hosting like a national daytime talk show, had my awakening, you know, that talk show fell away. And then I'm like standing by myself at this vegan expo with like, just not really knowing what I'm doing. And, and, you know, your story about how that one for you was such a flop, but you know, you, you have to like put yourself out there and you have to figure it out and you can only figure it out by stepping and moving forward and doing, and then more and more clarity and divine seizure willingness. So then the, the signs get louder and clearer. So I just love, you know, we've only heard like tiny little few droplets of your whole decade long journey since you've launched your brand. But I, I think it's going to help them to hear that in the beginning, you know, it was pretty rough going. And now, you know, you've got such a thriving business that, you know, not only is financially thriving, but it's in total alignment with your purpose and it's a conscious based business and it is possible. So thank you for your honesty in that. And I would love for you to share, you know, since it's a ceremony circle, I, I love to, to talk about rituals and ceremonies as much as possible. I know that your ritual and ceremony work extends beyond, like I saw on your website, you also do, what was it called? Like smoke, smoke something. What was that called? Uh Yeah. And so, you know, yeah, whether it's the smoke offering or I have here in my notes, like, um, are there certain rituals people can do for abundance or, Oh, I saw also, I was fascinated by this. I read one of your blog posts about the pomegranate plant and how it can ward off negative energy. And so before you leave the house, you take one pomegranate leaf and put it in your bra, your pocket. And then if you go to an event or a gathering and you just want to make sure that your energy remains your energy and you don't take on any other gunk, you put that leaf in your bra. And then before you get back home, you like discard it out in nature, like any little things like that, rituals or ceremonies that you can recommend? Yeah. I mean, the, the pomegranate leaf one is great. And even just having it on your property, anywhere on your property, it helps ward off 
well, you know, like the unseen beings that maybe don't have the best of intentions. And even if they make their way towards your house, they won't be able to stay. It's kind of like a repellent with pomegranate. I love that. Do you need, can you put it anywhere? Should you recommend putting it in like the front yard or the backyard or it doesn't matter? Really, you can put it anywhere. We have several in our front yard. And if you're in a climate that doesn't allow for you to do pomegranate, you could do like a bonsai and have it inside. So that's another option. Another good ritual would be also with unseen beings would be uh, we always put out a bowl of fresh water and then sprinkle some flower petals on top and then put it at the front door each morning or maybe on special days as an offering to any of the beings that are passing by that maybe are thirsty or they would like a whiff of, you know, flowers. So it's like a, like a generosity practice, but then it also protects the home. And then at the end of the day, you take the bowl of flowers and you, you know, toss it out and, you know, toss it out in the grass or in the trees or in some area. I love that so much. It reminds me of when you go to Bali you know, and there's just so many offerings and every single person lives there, like out at their front stoop, whether it's at their business, their shop, their home, there's like little candies and treats or flowers or tobacco, or, you know, I just, you know, it's their offering to the deities, to the spirits. And that to me feels so at home and, and so my natural state. So I love, the idea, like I mentioned, Luke and I are renovating our home and really looking forward to getting in there. And so I am definitely on our front stairs going to start to do that um, as regularly as possible, but especially if like we have any gatherings or people coming over, little events in our backyard, whatever it might be, I'm definitely going to start to implement that. That feels so right. You know, I was curious, and I know that um, if this question that I'm about to ask you, if the answer is a yes, I'm very aware that not everyone is as called as I am to share about these kinds of stories so publicly. So if you don't feel comfortable, that's fine. But with all your work with plants and flowers, I was curious if you've ever worked with plant medicine ceremonies or sat in any ceremonies like that in your life. I haven't. Mm-hmm. No, I haven't. Um, like you're talking like ayahuasca or something. Yeah. Peyote, anything. Yeah. I haven't. I haven't actually. I I totally get it. You know, I don't know if I've shared too much about this aspect on Ceremony Circle yet, but I had come to the realization, you know, that I'm a shaman um, and it was many, many years on my path before any of the plant medicine spirits called to me. I didn't know if they ever would. It um, just was not a part of my shamanic trajectory. You know, for me, it's working directly with great mother earth and directly with great spirit and, um, you know, the encoded wisdom inside of me. And so, yeah, it's been nice for me to be able to remind people of that possibility that you can really connect with your true calling and connect with the ancient wisdom inside of you without having to go the plant medicine route. So yeah, I was just curious for you. I have a lot of friends who have, and I think, you know, probably there's a timing for everything. And maybe I'm one of those people that's like, 
more like slow and steady, you know, like the flower essences I see as the same capacity, maybe not so like intense and fast, maybe it's more slow and steady. And I've seen also that form of plant medicine open people's like eyes and worlds um, to become more interested in flower essences, which I love because it's a way to have like kind of a softer sort of like steady every day for the rest of your life kind of you know ability where with some forms of ceremony it's like very specific times not something that you can do every day so I've seen it open doorways for people in a really beautiful way Mm -hmm. yeah and what could you recommend for those listening kind of tuning in to what they might want to learn what flower correlates with certain things if someone's really trying to activate a whole nother level of self-love like what from your line would you recommend yeah i would say that's one of the most important places to start is self-love we have a blend called infinite love and there's hong kong orchid flowers there's wildflowers from british columbia so that you can you know really just create more of a loving space for yourself there's so many things that we tell ourselves in our head that we wouldn't tell a three-year-old and flowers for self-love just help like soften everything so those kind of harsh voices soften up we can take more time for ourselves in a way that feels comfortable and not indulgent and also oddly like when you feel more in love with yourself as you are it also has this sort of magnetic love potion effect. Like we used to get, you know, young girls in college saying like, what, what, what can I do to attract my, you know, love? And it was funny because we would give them infinite love. And what it does is it makes you fall in love with yourself so much that you don't need or want anything from the outside, right? And then in that moment, you're like so sexy that everyone is attracted to you. So it's like this kind of other way to get there. (laughs) I love that. And that's the one that I use and I gravitate to the most, honestly, you know, ever since I started working with them, you can't go wrong with growing your capacity to hold more love within yourself and to radiate more love. It's like, that's always the answer. And, um, so I use the anointing oil and the elixir pretty much daily for that. And I've loved witnessing. I, my heart is, it's one of my biggest attributes that I have is just my pure, expanded, open, powerful, loving heart. But even with that, using the, what's it called? Divine love? No, it's called infinite love, infinite Mm -hmm. love. But Mm -hmm. using the infinite love, I'm just seeing these other workings of my love field. And I, I enjoy it so much feeling that expansion. And what about for, this might be a little bit of a random one, but for like entrepreneurs or people that, I don't know, is there like a a flower that helps you with business savvy? (laughs) Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I'm speaking in blends here. So if you want me to say like specific flower names, I can add that in too. There are some like fiery orchids and desert flowers that bloom here in Phoenix when it's, and here in the desert when it's 115 degrees that are really good for like motivation, drive, getting it done. Uh, when you're just, when you have so many things on your to-do list, you're like, ah, where do I start? Or procrastination, writing, blog posting, speaking. It just helps you like move. It's super fiery. Then there's one called Game Changer. 
that's more like there are more tropical flowers in there, a little more water. It's more like, how do I think outside the box? How do I allow myself to grow rapidly? Can I allow more money in my bank account? Am I comfortable with that? Can I allow more success? Am I okay? Can I like expand outwardly um, a little more rapidly? And then lastly, there's a blend called Inner Knowing. Um, it's got ferns and wildflowers from Sedona and tropical flowers for breakthroughs, not letting anybody stop you or any patterning stop you that's saying you can't do that or this, and really trusting in your inner wisdom as the number one source that you go to for what your next move is. Mm. And then also not having to know move number two, three, four, five. You're just knowing the next move and being able to sit in that trust. Oh God, these are all so good. I'm like, and I want that one now and I need that one now. And I want that one now. Um, and I will let you guys know that Katie has been very generous. I do have a code. It's called mystic. So you can enter in the word mystic. I think it's all capital letters at checkout and you get 15% off. So if you are resonating with what we're talking about, you can go to the Lotus way website and shop to your little heart's desire and get 15% off of that code. Oh gosh, what else? I know there's so many other things I wanted to ask you. So just want to tune in for a second and see before we have you do your ceremonial offering. What else I want to know from you? Hmm. <laughs> I want to ask you about your business. You know, you've been so successful and growing this and scaling it and yet staying aligned with your integrity and your authenticity. Can you offer up one or two tips that you, when you reflect back, you know that by doing A or B, it really allowed you to stay the course or it helped you to scale. And I mean, these can be totally like earth-based, you know, non-spiritual, whatever's coming up for you. But what business tip do you have for people out there? I think the number one would be to really root in your spiritual practice that, I mean, for me, business is like a part of my spiritual path. And I know that the business can only be as good as the person leading it. So I am 500% devoted to my spiritual growth, even if that means oh shoot, we wanted to launch this thing, but I'm not in a good space because I'm challenged with A, B, or C. And so it makes more sense for me to stop and address what is happening here because maybe someone in the community is also struggling with this thing right here. So if I can effectively you know, move through it compassionately with myself, then I can also help other people free up from that snag. So making that be like the number one thing and compass. The other things would be like, you know, more typical, like find a team that you don't mind handing your newborn baby off to. Yeah. How do you do that? Like how, how have you successfully done that? Cause I've watched, I've watched a lot of close people in my life, very close friends, you know, we're, we're all running these spiritually based business empires. And that I would venture to say has been the most challenging thing that I've seen in every one of our experiences <laughs> is like getting people on board who 
operate at a very high level that know how to get shit done, do it well, that are going to, that, that have an intention of staying on for a long period of time. Have, have you cracked the code in any way in terms of building a really trustworthy team that knows how to do things at a high level? Please tell me you have. <laughs> Maybe you haven't, that's fine. Yeah, I don't know if I've cracked any code. I would say that te- our team is sitting at the best place it's ever been um, in the life of the business. So that's a good thing. What to say? I mean, you know how they say, hire slow, fire fast. I agree with that. Sometimes I think we are our biggest obstacle because we just don't want to say like, we're not aligned, we don't fit. Um, and the faster you can move that out of your business and really trust, the best when you have that little teeny tiny feeling of like, Oh, you have to listen to it because if you feel this teeny tiny little thing right now, it's going to be bigger later Mm. because you know, we all have our glitches and it doesn't really come out until like seven months later. So you have to see like, can you operate with your glitch and their glitch? Um, Then it's going to be a great fit. So, yeah, I mean, an action focusing on the action versus, you know, a lot of people can talk. Um, so really just looking at where is the action and how they do anything is how they're going to do everything. Okay. These are, these are, no, this is great. This is all very, very helpful. And I think before we get into the ceremony, I want to weave it back to the flowers. I want to know a couple of things. Is there a flower that you are just dying to get to know that you haven't yet met? Did or like did you go on one of your sacred trips to find it and it just eluded you and you're it's still on your list to meet? Yeah, is there a flower friend that you want to still get to know more? Yeah, definitely. There's one called the toad lily, which is such a funny name, but it's such a like crazy kind of psychedelic looking flower with lots of colors and polka dots. Where does it live? I saw it growing in the wild and outside of Tokyo at a hot springs place. Cool. Which is pretty nice, right? <laughs> and you know, was, outside, nice. outside of t- in Tokyo <laughs> at a hot springs. I saw the toad, mm-hmm. the toad lily. <laughs> I have to go back and find it. And then there's another one that's pretty intriguing. It's called rainbow turmeric. So the flower is like a, like a turmeric flower, but it's, it's literally rainbow colored. So some reason I'm really into rainbow colored flowers. Oh, I love that. And <laughs> what um, do you know with both of those? What are the teachings and healing attributes? I have no idea. Mm. I wish you um, blessings in that voyage with both of those because I am intrigued to learn about them myself. So I hope you find them so that I can uh, learn about them more through you. And I think lastly, I would like to hear from you, what do you think the purpose of flowers here on earth is? You know, maybe that connects back to where we started our conversation, you know, the fact that they are teachers and our friends, but is there any other message that comes in for you when I ask you, what in your opinion is the reason that flowers exist on earth? Purification of not only humans, but unseen beings in the planet. They are the antenna of the earth's wisdom. Mm. So like they're plugged into the earth's wisdom, but they're a specific flavor of it. 
beauty, joy, sensuality, accelerating our personal growth, helping us heal, helping the earth heal. And they're really good teachers of impermanence. Mm. And also really good teachers of taking up space. You know, flowers aren't like, oh, should I be this big? Maybe I should shrink down a little. Or is anybody looking at me? Or, you know, they're just like, this is me, regardless of any external. Gosh, those were all great answers. Thank you for tuning in for that. Oh man, I feel like I could talk to you for like hours. So at some point I've got to like stop looking at my list and stop tuning (laughs) in to shift to the ceremony. I guess we'll just have to have you back on at some point in the future because there were so many intriguing things that I wanted to get to that we just, you know, didn't have time for. But I'm excited for your ceremonial voyage that you're going to immerse us in. Is there anything we need to do? Do you prefer if we sit or lay down or any instructions you have for us before you start? Mm, I would just say be comfortable. So if you're more comfortable seated, you can be seated. If you're more comfortable lying down, you can lie down. If you're in your car driving, while listening, um, just keep your eyes open and you can still follow the same instructions. Beautiful. <laughs> it's really just a simple awareness practice. Nothing very special about it at all. The special part is not the words. It's the special part is you. To the you that's listening, to the you that is the most deep and quiet and inner awake awareness part of you. That is this part that we are speaking to. Before we reach that part, let's just, if you want to close your eyes, you can close your eyes. If you want to keep them open, you can keep them open. Um, And first just becoming aware of your body, noticing how your scalp and your hair feels, your ears, If there's any tension in the back of your neck, noticing that, inviting in softness, tipping your chin closer to your chest, noticing how your shoulders feel. Are your shoulders carrying any burdens? If they are, just making space for that to be what it is. Noticing how your arms feel all the way down to your fingertips. Notice how the energy from your subtle bodies moves down from your heart through your extremities, your arms, out through your fingertips. Becoming aware of your chest, your throat, your heart space. Resting for a moment at your heart, giving yourself credit for all that you do and you are. And then moving your awareness and your attention into your belly, and all of the soft organs inside of you, 
Also becoming aware of the spine that holds your back up, that connects the top of your body to the lower part of your body. If there's any tension in the fascia or the muscles surrounding the organs in your belly, just noticing that. Noticing where your clothing hangs on your body, where it touches you, supports you. And then bringing your awareness and your attention into your hips, your pelvic area, your thighs, your knees, your shins and calves, ankles, and down to your feet and your toes. Notice the weight of your body, of your whole body. The sense of solid, earthy quality. And then becoming aware of your breath and how the element of air moves through your body and how each breath you take in and out affects your subtle body energy. How each inhale recharges your life force. And on your next exhale, you're going to exhale through pursed lips until all of the air, every last little bit of air is expelled from your belly. And we'll all just do that together in order to release any excess air or toxicity or energy that you don't need. And then breathing naturally, whether your eyes are open or closed, noticing the space that surrounds your body, the space in between the objects. Noticing any subtle sounds in your environment and how they travel through that space. Imagine for a moment that the space that surrounds your body is actually an ocean of compassion and softness. That you are held by welcoming forces, welcoming space. 
encouraging you to be all of yourself. All of the parts of you are welcome to take up space. The good, the bad, the ugly, the parts that want to be seen, the parts that don't want to be seen. All of you are welcome in this moment. Noticing any sense of wholeness arise or settled feeling of being able to fully occupy all the parts of yourself. And then becoming aware of the water element in your body. If you can sense your heartbeat, your blood flow, the waters inside of your body that keep your physical form supple and soft and squishy and lovely. Receptive, intuitive, sensitive. And noticing the temperature of your body, the warmth, the fire in your belly that has digestive qualities and that keeps your entire form warm and full of warmth and vitality. And then lastly, Moving your awareness outside of your body, beyond the space, beyond the, the structure or the building that you're in, out into Mother Nature. Moving your awareness out to the trees, the ground, the water, the sky, all of the natural elements. And simply by putting your awareness and attention on those natural elements, fortifying those same elements in your own body. And then take a few breaths each time you inhale. You can visualize colors or energy, breathing in that life force from nature into your body. In this synergistic, interconnected, intimate relationship we have.
And then very lastly, moving your awareness back into your heart space. One last time, reminding yourself, allowing anything and everything to be present simultaneously. Allowing any emotion, any vulnerability, any wildness, everything is welcome and we can be open and present with anything that arises. Especially with this fortification of nature energy supporting us. And whatever time and space you are listening to this right now, you are joining with my energy, with Allison's energy, with the energy of anyone listening to this podcast, past, present, future, to the unseen beings, to the protectors, to the enlightened beings who support you every step of the way, to the botanical realms, the flowers, the trees, the plants, the earth underneath your feet, We are intentionally connecting in this moment to exponentially empower all of our energy, to strengthen and nourish ourselves, our physical and subtle bodies, and to benefit all beings everywhere. I dedicate the time and effort and energy you put and we put into listening and connecting and tuning in that we may experience wild happiness, freedom, and compassion. I'll just do a blessing mantra to sort of seal the practice. Oh, uh-huh.
Thank you, Allison. You're so welcome, but thank you. Oh my goodness. Wow. That mantra. Oh my goodness. Oof. Wow. <laughs> Still relishing in what that brought. Ah, oh, thank you. And you hold such a powerful present state that really anchors all of us who just shared that space with you. It just, you really hold very strong presence. Thank you for being with me. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was so wonderful. Wow. I highly recommend, of course, above anything and everything else you all that know me and know my teachings know that above all i recommend you always listening to your own intuition tuning into your own wisdom and following that where it wants to take you but i recommend you doing that going back to that practice that katie just guided as often as possible and remember, you know, you don't necessarily have to re-listen to our whole hour and a half chat. You can come back to this episode and just scroll forward to this practice and make it a daily practice. Because, wow, yes, it's taking me back to what your teacher told you, that if just 3% of us on the planet learned how to work with the flower essences and energetics and teachings, you know, just 3% of us dedicated to doing this uh, as a daily practice, the whole world I feel would be different. So, oh God, that was so wonderful. Thank you. And thank you for just imparting to us, you know, all the wisdom that you've gained through all of your, you know, lifetime communing with the natural world and getting to know all these different flower and plant species. And again, you know, everyone that's listened to an episode before, you know, that in the show notes I have, I'll have Katie's website and her social media handles, but the website is Lotus Way, but Way is W-E-I. So lotusway.com. And there's a lot of resources in there. Even if you just want to start by learning more, there's different blog articles and videos. And yeah, you. I just recommend going onto the website in general to start to receive more information in and just see where the flower world takes you on your own. Anything else you want to say before we close? Oh, I just want to thank you so much, Allison, for being such a great container and listener and expander and asking such great questions and um, being such a good teacher for me. Ah, ah, wow. Thank you. 
Thank you too, sister. It's been a pleasure spending this time with you. And thank you all, like Katie said, in the uh, guided space that she just took us in. We all just co-created this whole voyage together. So thank you all for joining us and activating greater love, medicine, and consciousness energies for the whole planet and for all of the multiverses. I bow and honor to each and every one of you. See you next time. Woo! What a powerful voyage that was. It is just my greatest honor. It brings me so much joy and activates and lights up my soul to be able to sit with these incredible embodied true spiritual masters and leaders from all over the world. I ask that you please, if you feel called, continue to support them and their work in whatever way that feels aligned for you. Please go to my website where all the show notes are listed, www.alisoncharles.com. That's www.alisoncharles.com so that you can access their direct links to their website and social media platforms and additional information about them. And remember, what makes Ceremony Circle so unique is that at the end of every single episode, as you just experienced, we immerse in a powerful ceremony, ritual, invocation, prayer, spiritual song, some sort of activation that the guest feels called to offer on that day. So listen to your intuition. If at any point moving forward, you feel called to come back and re-immerse in this guided ceremonial experience, do so. Because I guarantee every single time you experience it, you will receive a new medicine transmission, a new awareness, a new awakening aspect within your soul. It has been an honor voyaging with you Please keep the Ceremony Circle community vibes growing and activating. Find me on Instagram at I am Allison Charles. And let me know how you enjoyed this episode. Let me know how you are creating your own sacred Ceremony Circle space. Tag those in your soul fam who are immersing in the Ceremony Circle episodes and experiences with you. And let's unite in the next episode coming out next week so we can continue to activate the consciousness energies of planet Earth and the universes. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and my intention is not to provide medical advice or diagnosis. You should always consult a health professional before making drastic changes to your diet or lifestyle.